I broke my hand punching a fridge. Oh, fucking hell. I just lost a game of Clash of Clans. And I was so angry. <laughs> I love it. That's what tipped me over the edge. I love it. I, love I punched it. the fridge and I, and I broke, and I broke the bones in my, that's in my mad, hand. That's mad. And I, I never, never said that publicly until now. It's <laughs> deeply embarrassing. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Still Parents podcast. I'm Dan, you're right, Ryan. Very well, right, thanks. Right, sorry, I only just found out before it live. Uh, he was trying to hide, you know when someone's trying to hide a hangover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've felt better, if I'm honest. Yeah. I'm I not thought you quit drinking. I'm not going to, I wish I had quit drinking, believe <laughs> me. I thought you said when you come back after 40, you weren't going to see another beer again. Mate, <laughs> I don't so, know what's wrong with me, I just <laughs> can't say no. <laughs> We got a message, didn't we, Matt, in the uh, in, in our WhatsApp group for the when, podcast. Wednesday afternoon. It was... Um, wasn't no, it, wasn't, no, no, it, was it was Monday morning. 11, and a Monday morning first one, it, yeah, that's right. 11.30, Monday morning, Ryan sends a picture and there's six empty Moretti bottles and two empty bottles of wine. And Ryan goes, am I just about to get on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> Off yeah, to Portugal. Yeah. Sorry, just for interest of clarity, that wasn't all Ryan's. The wine was for uh, Amy and her friend. But yeah. still, that's quite a good... Correct. That's not bad for 11.30 in the morning. No, no, but it was yeah. uh, no. It was nice to get away, nice yeah. to go to Portugal, specifically Lisbon. Yeah. So if you've never been to Lisbon, I would thoroughly recommend it. It's a lovely city, very industrial, but very nice as well. So that's uh, Ryan's latest on the tourism board. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we couldn't leave it. I mean. Matt hasn't said anything yet, so I can't say geography with Matt, can I? And we've got uh, another Ryan in here tonight, uh, Ryan Palmer, who recently joined us during the Baby Loss Awareness Week. Um, what were you on the? It was the Tuesday, Tuesday. you joined yeah, us. Tuesday. Should we reference it now? It's a bit awkward because Ryan actually was supposed to be our, our guest tonight, but he's he's been. Um... <laughs> Sorry. Don't I won't take offence. We'll, we'll let you off. So all in all, there are five of us here tonight. We also have William Ellis. Thank you very much, William, first and foremost. How are you? I'm very well. Very well. Thank you for having me. So, William, if you are watching on the stream, you may, you may very well recognise William, William Ellis, who is currently scaring everybody on EastEnders, I think. Is that, is that right to say? That's <laughs> pretty, pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I play, um, I play Theo Hawthorne on EastEnders, who has been for the last, uh, for the last certainly three or four months, uh, giving Stacey, played by Lacey Turner, uh, a run, a run for her money. Been stalking her. Yeah, pretty, um, pretty, pretty, pretty nasty stuff. Get out of my house! You can be a very cruel woman, Stacey. You know that. Very cruel. I want you to leave. But I'm not going to hold it against you. You're confused. You don't know what's good for you. She's been in it a long time now as well, hasn't she? Um, she has. Stacey She's Soto, uh, yeah. 25 years. She's amazing. She's no absolutely way. astonishing astonishing to work with. I mean, I've been, I've been very lucky that I've most of my work has been with her and the likes of Bobby Brazier, who's also like this fantastic new talent. Um, and they're amazing. And all the cast have, have to are totally like box office brilliant. So it's been, it's been a real pleasure to be part of the, the show and have a really heavy yeah. storyline, um, especially when it's sort of, it's doing so well, it's winning awards and, and people are really enjoying it. So it's, it's been, it's been my privilege really. And, um, yeah, it's been a, definitely a, a career highlight so far. It's always quite interesting with the the, the soap awards because I just remember it for years and years and years. It's just it, it's always just either Corrie or EastEnders, isn't it? And all the other scenes get left out. And Anton yeah. Deck win the same award every year, yeah. which yeah. which which is funnier than the actual award now. The fact that they get it every year. Well, yeah. they win it by yeah. proxy, don't they? Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there was certainly a lot of that going around at the NTAs when we were all, all there as a company. 
and a lot of a lot of the kind of a lot of the talk amongst the kind of invited guests was all oh, Anton Taken it, bloody Anton Taken <laughs> and so on and so on. Um, and uh, it, it, it all got quite funny. We mentioned before you came on air, just in case anyone watching is probably maybe thinking the same question. Do you get a lot of people that you bump into in the street who actually think in real life that is you, your character? Because Theo Hawthorne, stalker, probably not the best thing that you you want to be going about in a daily basis. Yeah. To be honest, I was, yes, you, I, I do. And I was warned by our lovely company manager um, when I started in January. She said, no, your storyline is going to get a bit heavy and there's <laughs> going to be X and Y. So, you know, just 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 be aware that, you know, that there might be people in the street who who kind of come up to you and, and say things to you. And I sort of brushed it off. I did take it seriously. And then when the scripts come through based on what you're reading, I then had to go back to that conversation and think, oh, shit, um, yeah, this is... This, <laughs> This is getting really nasty because obviously I didn't know at that yeah, point how yeah. far it, far it was going to go. Does it get really um, serious? Does it get quite serious? You know, quite heavy then yeah, in some places. Yeah, it does. I mean, I've had death threats online. No. And, you know, people in the street. Usually, it's all very nice. And they, oh, they, a nice death like, threat. You, you leave that. You leave that, Stacey alone. And then say, uh, you know, but, but I'm loving the show or something. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but I think the strangest one. This was in the press a little while ago. But I said that um, I was on the flight to Ibiza and. Um, in that point in the storyline, there was a sort of red herring that my character was was grooming Lilia, who's Stacey's daughter, with all these sort of free lessons that he was giving her. And uh, I was there was a couple of hen and stag parties on, on the plane on, on this flight to, to Ibiza, and they, they kept shouting out at me, nonce, nonce. Oh, no. uh, is, you know, all, it was all in good humor because we'd been chatting, they'd had a few photos before, and you know, it was all, it was, it, there was nothing malicious about it. But I was, did sit there on my own, I was flying on my own, and you know, a few of the people around me who obviously don't watch you stand yeah, there, that's what, I was very, very perplexed. Yeah, that's exactly um, what I was about to know, say. Bit and, I would, and I really wanted to explain to them that, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in this show, and there's this thing going on. So it's not, it's not me. Uh, wow. You can't do that because then, then you look like a right knobhead who's, who's, who's trying to sort of sell his own publicity. Did anyone move seats? You know, the person who was, did you, suddenly, did you f- suddenly find yourself with three seats you could just spread out? It was a, it was a full flight. So thankfully, uh, I didn't, I didn't quite have that, have yeah. that sort of even worse part of embarrassment. But it does, it does happen. Can you imagine if the pilot, the plane, you know, and they come with, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, nonce. <laughs> oh, wow. It, it, it depends if he watches the show. If he watches the show, he may have done. I, I mean, yeah. The, wow. But the the anger and no the way. frustration that that the fans show it, it are based on what the characters are doing is just a testament to how invested they are yeah. in the storyline. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's wonderful. And that's that's sort of how I how I embrace it. Whenever anyone says something that's sort of any sort of malicious intent, really, I just embrace it because it means that people are really invested in what you're doing. And yeah. as an actor, that that's a big that's a big reward yeah. because yeah, it, shows right. that you're do, it shows you're doing your job. You know, unless someone turns up at my door with a big steak knife, I'm you know that's <laughs> how I'm going to look at it. Until that point, um, you know. <laughs> I think uh, I think you know I have to frame it as it's all positives because you're joining a yeah. community, a, a company of people rather, who are all pulling in the same direction and everyone's doing their job really, really well. So it's showing that they care, just in quite a freaky, scary way. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> okay, indeed. Surely. Yeah. One other thing I, w- I want to mention quickly because you also do your own <laughs> podcast, don't you? I do. Yeah, I do. It's not. Yeah. It's it's in a completely different vein to this. Yeah. What's it called? So I have a. It's called an open water swimmers podcast. I interview, I'm a, I'm a marathon swimmer. I recently, I swam around Jersey uh, six weeks ago, which is a 65 kilometer swim. Um, and I, and I interview, I interview people uh, who while have done, while not while I'm swimming. No, no, that, that, oh, that come on, you've got to step it off, mate. Come on. Um, who have done even, even crazier things in, in most cases. Um, and I ask them the same set of six questions. The idea being that the answers are all kind of familiar, but okay. they all resonate in a slightly different way. 
that was a lockdown project, a bit like a bit like mm. for you guys in yeah. in twenty twenty beginning of twenty twenty, and it's it's you know it's gone very very well since then, and I've got an avid group of of you know open water swimmers. It's very oh, niche, who um who all seem to enjoy it. So I'm sort of trying to get my head around doing another season. It's an awful lot of work. I think that's um, one of the, the beautiful things about podcasts, though, is it? they almost, the more niche they are, it's different to like radio and, and TV in that respect. There is a, there is a place for the niche. It's like, um, mm-hmm. you know, like the old original Facebook groups that you used to get, and they, they literally would just be anything, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Like, turn, you know, remember one of the biggest groups in the world in the early days of Facebook was a group just for people who enjoyed turning the pillow over to get the cold side, and right. they became massive, didn't they? And it's quite a niche thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no, to be no, honest, no, that's brilliant. I quite like that's doing brilliant. that. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. that's why, because yeah, it's relatable. Yeah, yeah. Um, before yeah. I forget, how, out of interest, how long did it take you to swim around the, was it Jersey yeah. or, the cha- or the Channel Island? Yeah. Jersey, Jersey. Uh, so it's a 65k swim. It's tide assisted. Uh, I did it in nine hours, 52 minutes. Um, but I was I, in the back of my head. I was trying to get close to the world record, which is nine hours, 28, I think. And yes. I would have done it. I would have done it had we left. Had we left 20 minutes later, as we had planned. This Condor ferry came in. Well, I say we'd have done it. We it looked like we were going to do it. This Condor ferry came in, which dictated our start time. And so I hit, I got to Corbiere Lighthouse, which if, I don't know if you remember Bergerac. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. So I got, I got to Corbiere Lighthouse Bergerac. in seven hours, 10 minutes, which has never been done before. Wow. Um, and then it's normally two hours maximum from Corbiere to home because you pick up this six knot current. But I got there so fast because we started 20 minutes early that I hit slack in, in the wrong place. If you hit slack on the West Coast, you normally have a north to south current that will carry you through. But I hit sorry. slack on the south. Hit, hit, sorry, got to stop you there. Hit, hit. Hit slack, slack tide. Oh, <laughs> slack, right, okay. Slack tide. Sorry, sorry. I, hang on, hang on, hang back on. On my own podcast. Shipping uh, forecast so- by William. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm learning. I do like the fact that the you mentioned the world record would have happened if it wasn't for a bloody Condor ferry. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I say that. Like. I say that. But you know, anything could have happened. So I mean, we, we'd like to think. We like to think no, we may have like. got we may have got closer to the world record if if we had started when we wanted to, but anything anything could have happened, you know, in in retrospect. But you know, yeah, it was a good swim. I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I feel like I've I've learned more already in just the first few minutes of this podcast, and I've done about anything else in the entire year so far. So I'd like to thank you for that. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> for anyone watching on the stream, by the way, if you would like to um, ask William or Ryan or Matt or Ryan Palmer, who's with us tonight, any questions or just um, mention anything please do if you're listening back to this three podcast provider uh, when this goes up and you still like to get in touch just a reminder our website stillparentspodcast.co.uk you can get us on Instagram our socials stillparentspodcast and we will be able to uh, answer your question on the next episode or just drop you a reply in your uh, DMs if you would prefer that so let's get into it because obviously we're here for well, very very serious reasons otherwise we, we wouldn't be doing this so we've got William on tonight after uh, we reached out to, to ask if William would come on thank you so much for replying and, and agreeing to do it so quickly Pleasure. so you and uh, it's your wife Alice isn't it yep Alice and I got together in 2010 and uh, we actually got married in 2020 we got engaged in 2014 oh wow I think. So we had a very long engagement. And the reason we didn't get engaged was because we decided we would buy a, try and buy a flat before we yeah. spent any money on a wedding. And then we hit this infertility thing and started to panic that once, you know, that with this, this might end up costing us some money. Yeah, yeah. We started started trying to have children for, you know, we, we did exactly by the book, two years, nothing was happening. We went to see our GP, yeah. got into the system, 
and we uh, went down the IVF route, which we were very fortunate to get on the NHS. And we had our second round. Alice, I don't know if anyone knows much about IVF, but Alice only yielded one egg um, right, yeah. from uh, when they went in to do a collection. And by some miracle, that egg fertilized. And, you know, by some miracle, it, it, it held, it took. And so we were there with this sort of this miracle um, baby after this was what four years of trying thinking crumbs you know this is this is this is this is amazing this is our, our luck is in yeah it all went swimmingly and then there we were at 20 25 weeks and uh, we had this holiday booked to go and to go to Ibiza where it's, it's where I grew up and we were there just at the cusp of when you'd be able to fly so we thought we were safe and 25 plus three, we're playing cards on uh, just outside. And Alice is, Alice is having, you know, is starting to feel a bit funny, having we thought were Braxton Hicks. So we went to, we just eventually went to the hospital at sort of midnight um, into the, the Spanish hospital. And using our, our European Union cards at the time, we got, we managed to get some treatment. They saw, you know, actually, you know, you are, you are in labor. The labour was then stymied by some appropriate drugs. And then we were told that the baby's going to come and they, they had no, in, in Ibiza, there's no NICU unit. So they said, you know, we, we don't, we, you know, we, we expect you to have the baby here and let nature take its course, which of course, mm-hmm. you know, was, was just not going to happen. Um, I'm, I speak Spanish, having grown up in Ibiza, and managed to say, look, we, you need to fly us to Mallorca where they have a first-class NICU unit. And against the doctor's wishes, we that we managed to make that happen. Okay. We were flown to Mallorca, and when we arrived in Mallorca, they were amazing. This doctor, this young registrar, came up to us and said, "You've done the right thing. You know, we deliver babies at 23 weeks. Well done. Well done for getting here." So we thought. How, I thought. How brilliant. long was it? How long was it from that conversation with the doctor to actually fly into Mallorca? Alice went into. Alice sort of started having her Braxton Hicks at about midnight, and by nine o'clock the next morning, we landed in Mallorca and on a in a helicopter. Wow. Oh my god. Um, they managed to delay the um, the pregnancy a little bit more, and then twelve hours later, Dash was born, and you know was taken straight into a NICU unit. And at this point, I'm thinking, you know, twenty five plus three. I didn't know very much about premature babies at this mm-hmm. point. And I thought twenty five plus three. I thought, you know, we're in a first class hospital. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a, a rocky road ahead, but it's going to be fine. You know, modern medicine, NICU unit. He, mm. You know, we just we're just, just going to be here for a, for a couple of months. He had. Um, he had a very, very, very small, insert, sort of surmountable brain bleed quite soon. And the doctor said to me, she said, you know, we're at the limit of how much we can help him. And I said, but, you know, he's still, he's still breathing. And she said, yes, but, you know, he's had this very tiny brain bleed. Anyway, very quickly after that, he got better. He got, he got well and started responding. He was on normal O2. He wasn't on the very high saturation of, of, of oxygen, which mm. they do when, when people, are, people are sick. And we started to feel quite optimistic. Yeah, and we left. I think day day six at this point. You know, we've been in and out of the NICU unit, reading him stories, reading him Harry Potter. Um, I even read him Harry Potter in Spanish because I thought, you know, it, he'd been born in Spain, so why not? Oh wow! Um, <laughs> Harry Potter y la piedra filosofal. <laughs> um, and, oh. and we. Um, <laughs> With all the with all the Spanish accents that went with it, and I loved it. It was great fun. Anyway, we got to. Um, okay, nice. At, at day, I'm gonna go home day... and watch Harry Potter with the Spanish dubs on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then at day six, we decided we would leave the hospital for the first time. Yeah. And we walked 
down to the local big, big supermarket, which was along alongside this very, very busy sort of motorway A road in sort of 30 degree heat. And, you know, we're just wearing flip-flops and T-shirts. And anyway, we want to we want to go and buy some chocolates for the staff and some, you know, just to sort of show a little bit of appreciation because they were all amazing. Yeah. And it was this strangest thing happened because we were in this big supermarket and I was on the phone to our neighbor. We have, at that point, we had a pet rabbit and he was looking after the pet rabbit. And I was sort of saying, you know, can you buy some more straw? We're going to be here a while. And um, I put the phone down and Alice looks at me and she says, that's that's them. They're calling. Something Something's happened. We've, we've got to go back right now. I said, what are you talking about? I was just speaking to Jared. And you know how sometimes on an iPhone, it, it, even if they're not in your contacts, the name of the person mm. sort of appears. Yeah, it freaks me out. Suddenly, mm. suddenly Sonis Bassis Hospital appeared on my phone. It was them calling, like she'd had some sort of premonition. Right. And wow. they called and said, look, you, you've got to come back as quickly as you can. You know, something something's happened. So she had this weird premonition. So we, there we were Why? walking walking back along this motorway that took sort of half an hour in the sweltering heat past a past an enormous prison don't know why that's relevant but we um we we got we got back to the hotel the, the, the hospital and they and they uh put us in this strange anteroom, which immediately we thought was the room they put you in to tell you that your baby's dead i said i said is this the sala de malas noticias you know the the, the room of bad news yeah. And uh, they kept us they kept us in there for a long time before someone came in and explained what was going on. And what had happened was that day they had his in a premature baby, they have this ductus valve, which uh, they close with aspirin. Don't know how that works. They'd, and that's the first thing they try and do is to close it because a premature baby's ductus valve is open. Once they mm. close it, the body can start behaving normally. Okay. So they'd managed to close it and uh, and his spleen had burst, which had reopened the ductus valve, which had then flooded his brain. So he had this he had a grade four catastrophic brain bleed oh. and uh and they came in uh you know to tell us that could come and meet the doctors so we went and met the doctors and they said look we've got a surgeon here who can who can operate but we have to show you this picture and they showed us this picture of this brain and it was just mush and so the you know we had both options on the table whether to say goodbye or whether to operate and we you know we thought we deliberated for a long long yeah. time because you know what? What it's, a, it's Sophie's choice. What do you do? Yeah, exactly. So, so we, you know, we studied this brain bleed and realised that you know there was no there was no part of his brain that hadn't been affected by right. by this massive um, flooding of blood. So his brain his, his brain was basically gone. Mm. So Alice, at that point, weirdly, you know, through all her hysteria, was was ready to was ready to say, well, let's just let's just say goodbye. And I said, yeah. let's just let's just wait. I asked them if they could do another um, another scan in the morning <clears throat> just to check there hadn't been some procedural error or just to check that mm. there was no, um, you know, some weird mistake had happened. I don't yeah. know. Um, and that, was, that gave us a chance to spend another night with him. And Alice, you know, she was up all night with him. Um, I felt like it was my job to sort of make sure Alice was okay so that she could look after it. That was the entire week. That sort of yeah. parental role we kind of neatly slipped into was was one was trying to help the other, who was trying to help the other. It was like this sort of domino effect. And uh, the next day, yeah, they did another scan. It was the same. So we we said goodbye. Um, uh, you know, we got to hold him. It was, it was really lovely. And in Spain, unlike... Uh, quite recent in the UK, I think, and I could be wrong about this, but as I understand it, so it's, it's taken quite a lot of work uh, for things to happen in the UK with regards to infant loss and how they deal with uh, parents and infant loss, because in the past, it was quite stiff upper, upper lip British, you know, the baby would simply be whisked away, let's just get on with it. Whereas now there are 
there are lovely, you know, Sands and Tommy's have worked quite hard at this. There are, you know, there are lovely moments that parents get to spend with their child uh, either during or, or after they've passed on, passed away. And they have memory boxes and they get to, you know, imprint the child's feet, all of which we did, uh, which was really lovely, actually. And we had this most amazing nurse who can't have been older than 25 after, once, he'd, once he'd died. It, you know, he, it took him a good four or five hours to, you know, to, to actually for his heart to stop. And she came in with this sort of beautiful energy and just said, oh, my God, he's so beautiful, which, of course, was exactly what we wanted to hear. Mm. He's so beautiful. You must be so proud. You know, isn't, this, isn't he lovely? Oh, well, let me help you dress him. And she helped us dress him, put a nappy on him. Do, do, you know, and he was almost cold at this point. Um, you know, put little, um, have little footprints made of him and we put a little hat on him. And, and it, that whole procedure was like closure. Um, yeah. And she had this amazing... Catholic, Spanish, I don't know what it was. I don't think you could really be trained in that necessarily. Okay. It's just this this energy she had, which was exactly what we wanted and needed at that time, was someone to come in and just be positive and just say, isn't he stunning? Oh God, you know, you are proud parents. And and then and then off he went. In and uh and then he was we had him cremated um sort of 24 hours later in Spain. And they were very they were absolutely brilliant about getting us sort of through the system because they knew that we were kind of quite recently bereaved parents yeah. and didn't live there. Um, and then we took his ashes back to Ibiza where my family were, were waiting for us, um, where we stayed for, I think we stayed there for another two months just to sort of lick our wounds um, before before coming back. So that's, yeah, that's oh. that's that's the story. But the, the most amazing, the most amazing part of that story for me, which I still think about and I still say, was my wife, my wife's just absolute resilience because after he had died after he'd been wheeled away there were three other couples in exactly the same situation that we were all of their babies survived and are doing you know they're doing well now they're all four, four years old um they'd been on holiday and gone into labor and as we left she said to she said to them because they were obviously looking after their baby while our while dash was you know dying in our arms behind a curtain she said to them we are sorry Take she said, time. we are, Take we time. are the one, we are the one in three. You guys are going to be absolutely fine. We're the anomaly. Um, so you guys are, you, your babies are going to live. And she had the courage and the nous and the sense of empathy to be able to say that to the other six parents, the other three couples wow. that were in there just after she had said goodbye to our much, you know, our much loved and, 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 and longed for son. And I'll always, I'll always remember that as being the most selfless act I yeah. think I've, I, I can remember during that period. It was amazing. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of the, that's yeah. kind of the story. Thank you so much for. Um, well, that's difficult for. Well, like I say, take your time um, for, for sharing that with it's us. Just, it's always just, it's always that bit that gets me. Yeah. it's weird because just, it's just my wife's total, you know, yeah. altruistic. Em empathy that that always makes me go because it's just it was the most amazing thing to think of at that time before i get the thoughts of um ryan and, and matt and, and ryan palmer this before i forget because there's something which you, you mentioned uh, when you're describing the story and it's just a casual room and there's a reason why i'm bringing this up because when you, you mentioned that you walked past the prison and then you immediately followed up with i don't know why i mentioned that there we were walking walking back along this motorway that took sort of half an hour in the sweltering heat past a past a enormous prison don't know why that's relevant. <laughs> and we've had guests. It's because of that heightened sense of 
We've had guests who just have the most strange memories of the most specific or random things in their head from that time for them. Mine was um, very bizarrely looking back now. The big thing that sticks out to me was a picnic table outside the hospital. Yes, you mentioned this. Because it was kind of where I sat to gather my thoughts, yeah. but it's still... Yeah. And, and, and actually, then when I went to the City Road Hospital to deliver the memory boxes for the first time yeah, for the charity, I saw that bench. And, and that was that moment where it was like, whoosh, like that, that just hit me. It was like, wow, that, like, because why would a bench bring you that, you know? But then I saw, I also that saw, trigger, isn't it? I also saw people mm. sitting at that table and I thought, obviously didn't ask them, but I thought, I, I, why are you going through? Yeah. Because there, there was a fella sat at that table and I thought, yeah. Obviously, I didn't approach him because that would be fucking weird, wouldn't it? Like, imagine, like, I've gone up and said, why are you sat at that table before, mate? You know, like, you know, but, but, but what I'm saying is, no, like, yeah. you know, like, he could have been going, th- do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you just no, don't right. know, do you? He's no, you're, abso- like, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think when I was yeah. sat at that bench, looking back, I didn't show any huge emotions. I was just sat in my own world. But, you know, would anyone have thought that was happening to me at that point? I, I don't, don't know, but yeah. I can still, I can, I could tell you where everything was in the room when when Amy gave birth to to Lily. So I could tell you everything. I could tell you exactly where there were plant pots on the on the uh, what you call it windowsill. The windowsill, yeah, that one, yeah. I could tell you where the radio was because it was playing Owl City Fireflies because yeah. that was number one at the time when she was born. And you mentioned this; used to hear it everywhere afterwards. I used, you? used to go to a cemetery, and I'd get in the car, and it was on the radio. It was almost yeah. like somebody. It was like somebody was playing some sort of sick joke on you. Every mm. time you got in the car, this this song started playing. But I could tell you everything. I could tell you the exact part of the room where uh, our brief midwife Claire gave Lily a bath. I could tell you exactly what was in the waiting area when I walked out. When my dad uh, and my best mate were out there. To some extent, it's PTSD, isn't it? It's you remember mm. these things yeah. because they're tra- it's within that traumatic moment, so everything's heightened. I'm really interested, uh, William, if if you don't mind me asking, how did you come up with the name Dash? <laughs> it was a name that we liked. Um, it was a name that we had floated around for a while, and it and it when he came out early, it seemed really appropriate. Yeah. Mm. Um, because he was in, and the Spanish found this hilarious. Because <laughs> obviously, before, before he died, they thought they thought dash dash dash, and I said, and I said, well, let's just call him rapido. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, Is that in Spanish for dash? Rapido. Yeah, with loosely. Right? Rapido. Did not used to be an old dodgy um, Channel Four show as well back in the day? <laughs> yeah, and um, we actually we actually have another another son now who was born uh, two years later. Exactly the same day, the same hour no. that Dash died. Wow! Uh, two years later, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So Odie was Odie's our Odie's our little four-year-old, and he was born at uh, he was born at twenty past nine. Dash was declared dead Spanish time at twenty past ten on the fifteenth of July 20, oh, so uh, 2019. Yeah, the hour difference. And that's that's yeah. mental. Oh, my hairs have literally yeah, just stood up. How, yeah. how the stars are It's crazy. Around. How did you crazy. feel? And, yeah, with that, did that? Well, I mean, Alice was sort of willing it to happen. Yeah. You know, she was on the raspberry. All parents do, I know. But she was, she was, yeah. you know, the yeah, ras- yeah. Ras- ras- raspberry leaf teeing, and 
you know, she's on her medicine ball, you know, and then it's it's turned what obviously is a very bleak day into into something really positive, and it's sort of ma- married their relationship because Odie is a Odie's a donor egg baby from Spain, okay, to Spain, and um, he's uh, he's he has a syndrome called Mark Wilson syndrome, so he may right. never talk, okay, but he um, but you know, he he's almost walking he's nearly four and he has an amazing school and he's that he's a very very happy beautiful li- little boy oh congratulations but Odie, but we 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 and that's another kind of idea of grief is that you know with both cases you're grieving for the child you never mm. had but i my point on all of that is you don't know what child you would have had so it's pointless to yeah. grieve for the child you never had because dash might not have liked football or swimming yeah so it's pointless to grieve about those things that are unknown it's, it's that's how we sort of approach yeah, it questions you can never answer but it, I, I, it's weird because i didn't think i'd ever ask this question on the podcast but i, I want to I don't think it, it's the way we can do it, but I really want Ryan to put his arm in front of a camera because yeah. you know what it's like. gone down now. When, when you when you said that, his he- it genuinely because he, he showed he waggled yeah. his arm about his hairs were standing. <laughs> I just thought that happened in cartoons. <laughs> his hairs were standing up. I, that uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Even now, mental, I, can, I can feel it now. It, it's like yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and somebody's just put on on the comments on the on the live stream that it's it, that obviously Odie is a gift from Dash. Yeah, um, that's, and, how, that's exactly how we look at it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's really interesting what you said there about you know not grieving something that you that you don't know is going to happen. I.e., you know he might not have been into football or he might not have done X, Y, and Z. And I think that's the the difficult thing with with grief, certainly of baby losses. That and we and myself and Amy say this quite a lot is that when when you lose a, a grandparent or a parent or a family member that you've been able to that you can recall, mm. you know, special memories with them. You grieve the loss of those special memories yeah. and you grieve the relationship that you've built with them. You grieve a lifetime of missed opportunity when you lose a baby. Mm-hmm. So whilst you're not explicitly grieving, oh, I can't take them to the football or I can't do this or I can't do that, you're grieving the ability to have not been able to get to know that and to not be able to have been able to build that relationship with your child. We've we've had this because we've gone on to have Etta. And like I have struggled with this quite recently, quite a lot, about like Etta's now in year one. And I'm like, oh, but yeah. I but I should have already done this already and things. It's not Etta's fault. I can't stand there, you know, like, but but then Crystal then pulls it back and says, actually, but if 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 Callie had been here physically would Etta have been here? Yeah. And that's another weird one to get your head around because mm. like that's exactly that's that's also yeah. how we we yeah, have sort of qualified where we are. I'm yeah. you know, I'm very happy with I wouldn't change anything. You yeah. know, I often play that game in my head. If I if I could control time, would I go back and, you know, try and alter Alice's, you know, pregnancy or go to the hospital sooner? I don't know. All those things you you think about. Or the butterfly. But if I'd done exactly, exactly. But if I'd done that, we wouldn't we wouldn't have met Odie. Mm. So yeah, you know, you you and I and I, I, there's something I I mentioned this earlier before we press record. Something really resonated with me recently, which was the uh, the the book, the secret art of not giving a fuck. And it's the it's the notion that essentially it's the notion that life is going to kick you in the balls repeatedly yeah. over and over again as as adults in that you know everyone at some point is going to experience devastating grief mm. and devastating loss in of varying degrees mm-hmm. but you can't really measure that because everything is relative and the yeah. sooner you sort of accept that and really accept it and it, it actually becomes quite a freeing becomes quite a freeing idea mm. because you 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 understand that 
that's 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 what life does mm. and therefore it's it's your job to just to just deal as best you can with what's put in front of you and and understand that you're not alone you know this whatever you're experiencing is likely to be happening to someone else i think that's really well um, said isn't it it's those expectations as well sorry i was going to say william as as time as time allowed you to sit more peaceful with that peacefully yes. with that yeah like yeah it's absolutely it's, yeah i mean i know it sounds like an obvious I, question but like you know no of course yeah, i mean so i mean alice we we obviously we grieved in very different ways which i'm sure all of you are familiar with um for alice it was hard it was hard and fast she stopped working she was um she stopped her work um and uh didn't work for two years um and has gone into another industry but like mm. those those two years she sat on the sofa and and, and cuddled our dog who's now got behavioral problems as a result however <laughs> um, you know she it's, it's very true she's turned into the right mardy bitch um but she's 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 literally absorbed all of all of alice's grief you know and wow. um and um whereas i mine mine came much later because i was you know i was the yeah. i was in fix it mode i was you know doing all well, the shopping just trying to trying to keep everybody trying to keep the, the little kind of family family hub you know up up and moving forward do you know um, what's really interesting about that as well william yeah. it, like you've just said there you were you was in fix it mode yeah yeah ryan's right. eyes moved as you said that <laughs> now, right, yeah. i, I want to touch on a couple of things that you've just said so you it talked comes about up a lot this doesn't yeah it? you talked about the book the subtle art of not giving a fuck and i i, I smirked and laughed a little bit because that's actually on my bedside table I have you got it? Yeah. I haven't read it, but Amy has given it to me and said, you need to read this. Probably just because I'm a fucking psycho anyway. Like, But she probably wants me to read it to get some useful yeah. tips and stuff like that from it. Um, but that fix-it mode, and I, I don't know if I'm going to explain this right. And I, I suppose in your line of work, William, where you are a public figure that people recognise and people know who you are, and because you are an actor and you're able to go on screen and you're able to act and act out a part. And, you know, we had a really good conversation prior to obviously coming on live this evening about how um, you can get into, you know, your character, if you like, for a certain period of time within that day. It must be very, very difficult to accept that people on the outside can look at somebody like you, who is that actor, who is that famous person, and think that, you don't follow the same route that every other normal person follows. Well, they if probably, that makes sense. They probably all think that William's a multi multi millionaire and, and like all those and, trappings. And, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. And and the analogy I'm going to use is where you have a footballer who know, gets yeah. injured or and so mm. and, and somebody goes, Well, he's earning mm. 300 grand a week. Why can't he play? Doesn't, it's not relevant. <laughs> it's, it? it's not relevant in the slightest. And when you said about the fix it, I mean, if we mm. if we had the if we had a count on the, the yeah, amount yeah. of times we've had the word fix it, yeah. that is what mm. men do. So my yeah, sort absolutely. of question to it's you, and, and I suppose this links into your to your swimming, is did you used to swim a lot prior to losing Dash, or was the swimming almost like a focal point to help you within your grief and 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 use that because that was something that you enjoyed? Great question, and it's something I've thought about a lot. I mean, I was always I was always a competitive swimmer. I've all, you know, I've represented Great Britain at Masters level, and and, and you know, in, in both the open water and the pool. And it's it's only it's only become more of a useful tool since Dash died. It's only become it's only and and I like ultra marathon swimming, which is what I do now, has only really become part of my sort of makeup um, in light of in light of the grief because there's something even more cathartic about you know going for a, a six hour swim mm. and it's about 
you know, there's, it's a bit like people going for long walks. You know, when mm. people have therapy, they are often encouraged to go on a walk with a therapist because, or when you're driving, because you're not looking directly at the person for starters, but also you're doing an activity and all that grief you're holding in the body is able to be released um, in, in, some, in some way because you are, A, you're, you're, you're disassociating your conscious from your body. It becomes an unconscious process. Mm. And so swimming is very much like that because you have thoughts that come in and go and you can't hold on to them for very long um, because, you know, you, you have this, you, you have a body of water in front of you. You know, if you, if you think about it too much, you might stop and then, mm. then you might drown. But like mm. there is the, 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 the you know, the, the rhythmical nature of swimming is very hypnotic. And in that, there is definitely there is definitely something about being able to let go of grief for sure. Um, yeah. And I rem- like, and there's, for, for me, it's all, everything's tied up in the water. You know, I'm very much attached to the water. And, and I remember when Dash died, we were in, we had a few days in Mallorca. My, my mum and Alice's mum were there. And Alice and I went for a swim. And we'd said to ourselves that day, let's, let's frame this as, you know, he's just died. But for now, everything we see, he sees. And we went for a little swim off a beach in, in Mallorca and, you know, we saw, you know, we saw some octopus and we saw some fish, you know, and it was, I remember, I remember diving down to the bottom of the ocean. I mean, I free dived as a kid. So I dived down sort of about 10 meters and I remember letting out this, this guttural scream, like, you know, like oh. you wouldn't believe. And just everything at the moment came out, my goggles filled up, you know, my mask filled up with, with my tears, my water, you know, I don't want to sound dramatic, but it, it, it felt, felt, that felt very cathartic because I was in the sea, I was in the water. And that for me felt like I was sort of coming back to something that I, I always knew and feels very familiar to me. So swimming, yeah. swimming for me is 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 tied up in my psyche. The water's tied up in my in my entire in my entire being. Um, and to try and marry grief and and that process only seemed like a logical process, logical thing for me to do. And I guess for other people, you know, exercise might become much more of a, a, a an idea of I have to go and do this because I need to sort of fix myself um, and, and have control. And have control, exactly. Because and, you can control that. Yeah. I just mm. wondered on that as well, right, because you play football, right? Big, yeah. You know, you still play football, you still play to a, a level and whatever. Did you lose any love? Yeah, massively. I, I, I found it very difficult, sort of the opposite. Sorry, let me just one second. So I just want to, just in case you, you jumped into this episode late, because this is uh, Ryan Palmer, who's going to be joining us for a full episode very soon, who's been sat very patiently listening to us idiots talking. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Ryan. Go go for it, mate. No, all I was going to say, because I'm, I'm sort of the opposite of that, I can think of it worse. When, I, when, when we lost, I had to stop, and I couldn't think of it worse of going back and playing for such a long time. I, I, I sort of, the, the idea of going and playing football was, was awful. Mm, and I just I, I remember not doing any exercise for such a long time, mm. and I couldn't think of doing anything anything what, else. When you did go back to it, did how did you feel, how did it make you feel? Did he did you th- then go? Actually, I should have done this earlier. Or were you still not like nah? No, I went back for a, for a period of time, and then I stopped again because I thought I'm not ready for this. Yeah, I remember playing, and I, I thought it was like I was playing, and I could watch myself playing, right. and yeah. I was that disassociated with what I was doing on the pitch. Oh, okay. I was like, this is this isn't time for me. I need I need to, I need more time away. Um, mm. And then I went back again and I thought, right, now I am ready to play again. Interesting. I also think, and I mean, I'm sure Ryan probably won't mind me saying this because I know I've had this conversation with him in the past, is that I was very similar to that when we lost Lily. Part of me wanted to go back and play because mm. I was playing at the time. Part of me wanted to go back and play, but also part of me didn't want to go back and play because of the camaraderie and the banter and everything that you were going to ultimately be having in the changing room yeah. I almost felt like I had to be sad 
yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that yeah. I wouldn't have been suited to go back into that changing room. Plus, as well, the amount of anger I had. Yeah, well, I was going to. I was going to say, was were it, you worried about decisions on the pitch you might make? Possibly. Well, <laughs> well, was it Tom Ellis, our guest, who came on, and he had he was a footballer, and he ended up having a fight with oh, his yeah, yeah. with his teammate on the yeah. pitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was. Yeah. I, th- I don't. I didn't ever think that I would hurt anybody. No, but because I, w- I would never go out on a football no, pitch no, to ultimately no. hurt somebody, but. I didn't trust myself to not push myself to a level to try and release some form of anger. Yeah. Yeah. And if that meant that the poor sod that was marking yeah, me yeah, no, yeah, got took it, yeah, no, then yeah, unfortunately yeah. that's what was going to happen. But yeah. I, I think for me it was about not wanting to go back into the changing room yeah. with all the masculine. Yeah. And, and plus as well, we're going back to 2010 and I know times have changed you know, quite a bit now where you know, there's that old man up saying... Even in 2010, that was a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it was said a lot, and and yeah. Yeah. I know times have changed for the for the good, obviously now. But I also felt that at the time, if somebody had have turned around to me and said, "Oh, you know, you're lucky you've got Alfie," or yeah. you've, you know, X, Y, and Z, yeah. that I may very well have just yes. bang snapped. Yeah, and, yeah. and no, yeah. So yeah. I, I get where Ryan's coming from there. I broke my hand punching a fridge. Oh. Uh, it, it was it it, it like that me the anger do, the yeah. anger was always there yeah, yeah. yeah but it was never something I I, I I bet I'm sure like you guys it was never something I acted on and we were given a list of things to do by our um this is I'll I'll be honest with you exactly what happened because it's actually quite embarrassing <laughs> we we were given it we were given a list of things to do by our one of our holistic um uh um, acupuncturists which included a huge dietary changes this is for our going into our round of IVF after Dasha died. And I just lost a game of Clash of Clans. And I was so angry. <laughs> I love it. I, I, that's what tipped me over the edge. I love it. I, love I punched it. the fridge and I, and I broke, and I broke the bones in my, that's in my hand. That's mad. And I, I never, never said that publicly until now. It's <laughs> deeply embarrassing. But you know what? FIFA did that to me. I would, I would, I would, I broke a couple of controllers <laughs> just smashing. <laughs> yeah. Not, not get cla- What was the game called? Man. Clash of Clans. Clash of Clans. Clash. Yeah, it's true. My mate. It's an iPhone game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's one of the it's one of the App Store yeah. games. I mean, is it, it good, by the way, William? Is it worth playing? Well, clearly not. He broke his hand. Okay. It, 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 it was in a moment in my life when I was playing oh. it quite a lot, and uh, it was. Uh, Did you not get your daily bonus? Is it? Like... <laughs> it was something like that, and it was it was it was it was the one where the, your opponent can then send you a little avatar. Saying, saying, <laughs> I did. You, it was, you know, it was no, it was called Royal Royal Clash. It's one of the spin-offs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, anyway, yeah. And and I just imagined this 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 sort of fourteen-year-old specky twat uh, <laughs> having having beaten me at Clash of Clans, despite the fact that I just spent twenty quid on upgrading all my all my right all my all my oh, gear. No. And I was so angry. And it was actually it was actually all the kind of everything that led up to it wow. in terms of. But and it was That's just brilliant. it was the most banal, childish, stupid thing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Um, and off I charged at the hospital, and of course I didn't tell them. Well, that. yeah. What did you, what, what, did you tell well, them? I just said. I just said we we know we just had some terrible news. Yeah, yeah. I was just fighting a bear. Couldn't get a yogurt out of the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fridge. The fridge didn't punch back. Thank yeah. Yeah. Uh, embarrassing. Uh, I, embarrassing I broke, injuries. I broke my hand. But Embar- you know what? Embarrassing though, injuries like, are the best thing. I punched. I remember coming out of the um out of the scan room, and it was the Friday evening. Came out of the scan room, and I punched the desk right. of the um. In, within the hospital antenatal clinic, bearing in mind it was like half six on a on a Friday evening, there was nobody in there, yeah. and I've just punched this desk, and I don't know why I punched it. 
I think it was because I just wanted the pain. Yeah, yeah. What I was probably experiencing yeah. Yeah. In, inside yeah. to just... That's what it'll be. Radiate somewhere else. To make the pain physical rather no, than emotional yeah, make it for a more few physical seconds. Than emotional. Can I, I ask you, you look like you've you've got some, some tattoos on your on your arm. Yes. Were any of those in response to your loss? All of them. Yeah, yeah same all, here. All of them. So I... I yeah. Those two, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of tattoos. So I had... All, all of my tattoos that are on, so so I started off having, um, we had a photo of of Lily's hand, so I had I had her um, that photo tattooed on, and then I had things like her handprint, I had a footprint on my back, and various other things, and then I've got so a nice. thing for sort of feathers and angel wings and things like that, so I've had like, yeah, oh yeah, feather, yeah, so I've had like lots and lots of. Yeah, feathery sort of things. and You've had a couple this year, haven't you, as well? Like, I have had a handprint. <laughs> I mean, I don't know actually what you can see at the moment, William, but I've, I will show you when we come back. No, I can see afterwards. that. Yeah. I've got her handprint. That's beautiful. Yeah, So it, and, and the reason I did it was because I felt then that I could um, hold a hand every day. Mm. Nice. That was my sort of thing, beautiful, was that yeah. I, could, I could hold her hand. Yeah. I suppose to some extent the tattoos and stuff was my... My sort of therapy as well, yeah. if you like, in yeah, a way. Yeah. And it wasn't anything to do with the pain of them or anything like that. It was just my way of expressing sort yeah. of how I felt, really. Is it, does it make feel like Lily's with you, on you, like holding you, like, like you said, actually, just holding your hand? It's, it's, or is it more of a, is it a physical or a... I think it, I, I don't know, actually, really. I'm, do you know what? I really don't know. I just think that... I guess it doesn't have to be tangible for no, it to, the, to, to emotionally help you. But. I mean, I've got obviously I've got the other kids' names yeah. and stuff on my arm and, and things like that as well. But um, no, I think for me it was just it was just something it was something to do as well. I suppose. Right. Yeah. I was yes. in the tattooist a week after we lost her, yeah. having having the first one done. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm interested now, William, that you picked that up. So your feather that you've got on the one arm, what's the one that you've got on the other arm as well? So the, the feather is a sign, for us, the feather is the sign of a lost soul. So okay. I sleep predominantly on my right, which means I can wake up in the morning and see and see Dash's feather. Whenever oh, we wow. pass a feather on the floor, we always say, hi, Dash. But then when Odie was born, I, I thought, I, the same artist, this is a stork. Okay. So it's been print. It's been done in this in a mm. similar vein. So this is the stalk that brought that brought Odie. So they're they're just they're just nice. you know monikers of 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 the of our two children. Yeah. But the the feather obviously came first, and it you know it means that look, the first thing I see when I wake up is is his feather, which I which I really like. Yeah. It's sort of it just means that he's sort of always he's just always there, which is lovely. Yeah. Um. But for me, there was something I didn't expect this, but there was something because it fucking hurt where I have mine and, I'm, <laughs> and I wasn't expecting to hurt quite so much but there was definitely something cathartic about going through that pain I mean obviously it's it's nothing compared to mm. childbirth or anything mm. you know and our, our, our sense of pain is obviously much much less than than uh, our, the, our, our female counterparts but you know it was agony yeah. it was like someone had a cigarette in my in my skin and was moving moving on down and I and I weirdly quite enjoyed that afterwards because it felt like it felt like that I'd had you see said earlier you know yeah. it was just to feel something yeah you know felt, felt like you felt like you'd felt because you do go numb for a long time mm. and you sort of I for me I went I came in and out of that numb state quite a lot and it's only really in the last couple of years I've begun to feel 
kind of present again. Mm. And that it was always during those numb states that I would I would be seemingly okay. And I'd and I would tell people that I'd just tell people about Dash. I'd go to an audition and I would shoehorn in mm. somehow that I just lost my son. Or I'd tell the the, the the checkout girl in Sainsbury's about about the fact that I just lost my son and Alice would be standing behind me going, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> As I'm just I'm just offloading to this poor seventy year old who probably can't can't hear a thing. You know, she, she, but you, you were doing just, what you were doing what you you needed to do, wasn't it? No, it was, exactly. I'm, so, I, I, it doesn't doesn't bother me. But it just looking back on it, it's just it's just my way my way of offloading exactly. in those in those in those numb states. So um, it, it was two two thousand and seventeen. Is that, am I right? The, yeah, the, the lost yeah, with Dash. Yeah. So because yeah. be, be, I'm I'm wary that with uh, with time, um, there's a couple of things that I wanted to just speak about before before we let you go. Um, and one of those is well, actually, we'll mention it now. Based on what support did did you have? Because you said earlier you were the fix it. What what did you? Who helped you? Because we speak so about we this quite, a lot. Yeah, we were quite lucky down here in Brighton. We we there are there are some very very cheap counsellors who we went to see who were supported by a local trust. So they were they were very cheap. I think it was fifteen pounds a session. So we were we were able to go and see a counsellor each, not together, separately. Which helped us, yeah. which helped us sort of offload, and you know we've both separately uh, since those since those sessions we've both separately gone to you know gone to speak to um gone to speak to other professionals yeah uh, when when we felt like that we we've needed to, um and Sands were brilliant we we raised we raised some money for Sands they were they were instrumental we went to quite a few Sands meetings met other bereaved parents. Um, and sat and and you know and chatted and talked and had coffee evenings um, with them. Um, did you do this quite rem- recently? Uh, or oh, sorry, did you? How how long after the loss? Well, very it? soon after. Very, so- very okay. soon after. We right. went. There's a local Sands group down uh, in Shoreham near us, and we went. We went down there, and there were, you know, there were always the same people turning up, and we were always yeah. just just okay. chatting. It was an, it was just a nice way of, of understanding that you weren't alone. There were other people. Mm. Who had, you know, had suffered, you know, horrifically in some cases and unnecessarily, and mm. you know, it was just a whole spectrum of of, of people going through a, a similar vein. Um, and it was nice knowing you weren't alone. You know, exactly, that, yeah. you know, this wasn't this wasn't some sort of isolating feeling because, you know, baby loss is so difficult because one minute your parents and one minute and then the next minute that's all just the rug's been swept up from underneath you. And it's earth shattering. Yeah, we, we speak a lot about this and the support, uh, especially for men. One of the reasons why we started the podcast and just to um, see the different time. You're, sorry, one sec. Sorry. You're all right, Matt? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay, mate. And just, just the different times that some people take from, when they, from their loss and to actually seeking out some, some support as well. With, how did it affect your... Your your work, your job. Were you acting at the time, and how does that affect your your ability to to do your job? Well, I made so when Dash died, I, my my agents and my people that sort of look after that sort of silly side of my career, they were amazing. They just said, you know, you just take all the time you need. I made a decision then that I, anything that came in had to be local. You know, it had yeah. to be in London. Couldn't couldn't be filming far away, and I certainly I certainly couldn't afford to tour or do or do theatre for a while. Um, and I'd just come off the back of a really nice theatre gig. And I haven't, weirdly, I haven't done theatre since. Right. Um, and just because, like, that slightly being being away on, on that type of 
job slightly scares me. But that being said, I've just been away for a long time doing EastEnders, and we've 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 yeah. managed okay. So, I think I'm sort of I'm 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 back in a place where I yeah. wouldn't shy away from that type of work anymore. But okay. certainly, like. I just, I was very lucky with, I had a lot of voiceovers and um, I did sort of things that came in and out. I do a lot of teaching. I've got a very supportive uh, drama school down here that I teach at um, who seem, seem to really like me, weirdly. So I, um, uh, I, I, do, I do a lot, I do a lot with them. Um, so I think the, yeah, for me, the only, the only advice I, I can possibly kind of say from my own sort of, you know, sheltered experience in this is that I was very, I was very open from day dot about my experience yeah um and in turn that meant that that i sort of found by hook or by crook the support i needed right okay. and the support we needed out, um out of curious, I, I don't know if this is a good question or about i guess i'm about to find out but with with your line of work if you were to be offered a role where essentially you would be then playing out what you've been through so you were to play mm. a role of uh, a bereaved father or in some capacity or going through that is, is that something that you would you'd be interested in doing because we've can the reason I, why I'm can, asking this yeah go, go can on, I just right. jump in there as well because that's what Kim Marsh did yeah um, on Coronation Street and I remember I mean, she's always been really good to us on, on Twitter yeah uh, for the charity and stuff and and um, I, I remember messaging her on Twitter after she'd played that role saying I thought that she played it absolutely amazingly well considering you have to shoehorn a story in in such a very, very short yes, period yeah. of time, if you like. And I can't, for me, if I had to do something like that, I mean, I'm not an, obviously I'm not an actor. I'm good on the football pit, pitcher acting, but... That was good acting. I'm, yeah, I'm not an actor, so I couldn't tell you how I would react if I was offered a storyline like the, that. The reason why I said that, it actually was because of you, because you've mentioned before about experience and talk, talking to professionals who haven't lost, but they're qualified, but you maybe would not understand that profession, the opinion of someone who has, but they mm. haven't got the qualifications. Mm. And it no, does I'm, come through to her like that, yeah. But I've always said that where I had, I, I saw a grief counsellor. Yeah. All I did was sit there and talk to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. was a qualified yeah, yeah. counsellor, but she had no, um, no experience of baby loss. Um, herself and that's why our support you know that we do here the one-to-one -one baby loss support is that every single parent who comes to see us knows that they're sat with a bereavement Precisely. support worker that has lost a baby so there's a you know there's a synergy with regard to the and it's from that emotions yeah. and things like that and that authentic and relatable oh, you know to be because you'd be truly authentic yeah. and relatable to to do that yeah, yeah absolutely so yeah. What was the question? <laughs> oh no, to William. I yeah. was asking William so, if he'd play at that role. Right. In yeah, his, before yeah. I got rude and I think in, yeah. I think <laughs> in answer, the answer. short answer is now. Now I would, but I. I it, it, it obviously. Yeah. There would be a statute of limitation. Yeah. Yes. Before I before I could. Yeah. Yeah. But now I would absolutely because you have that sort of lived experience. There's um. I mean there's that um. Ben the the actor who plays Ben. You know he he was living out something that very recently happened to him in terms of in terms of losing losing his best friend. Um, on, on screen a little while ago, as I understand it. Um, and oh, wow. while he found that very triggering, you know, he was still able to, to navigate through it. And, you know, his performance mm. was, was astonishing. Mm. So I think I that's, curious, you yeah. know, that's, that's the deal as actors. If you're playing something that you, that you know really, really well, then obviously there's the danger of it, of it being quite triggering. But isn't that, isn't that also kind of the, the sort of the, the best experience to draw on? The otherwise, you're, yes. you know, you're, otherwise you're, you know, you're doing what, most actors have to do all the time, which is which is draw on your own research yeah. and imagination, mm. um, and it can be. I guess it. I guess it could be quite quite cathartic. In for you know, I think I would might find it quite cathartic. I say mm. that, but 
uh, that might that might change. Mm. Yeah, it was yeah. A, a very. I was just curious to um, to to find out what you thought about that. It's just something to me. Or, or alternatively, you know, back to the if you ever did like a swimming documentary and you could like you play, I don't know, like Duncan Goody, you ever had any like <laughs> <laughs> play that? Well, role? it was always my dream. It was always my dream to work up at the tank at Pinewood, and I I did that. I did a, I did great expectations, and I. Myself and Ray Fines spent yeah, spent four wow. days up up at the, up at the tank at Pinewood, and he with him drowning me. He, I'm not sure he was he was best pleased um, about how comfortable I was in the water. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, I think and at one point, you know, he's amazing. He's su- such an amazing amazing actor to to be around and to work with. Just his presence. There's something about there's something about him. Um, but you know, at one point he had his you know he had his finger in my mouth and his his thumb literally in my eye, and I'm un- I'm under the water thinking, hang on, this is this is not. This is this isn't going. This is going a bit off script here, um, and I'm I'm starting to take on water, and they put this they 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 put this little they put this little sort of um, kick down sort of rostra underneath you, so you've always got something to kick off. Oh, okay. And I remember I I kicked down and I and I sort of threw him off me, to say to say behave because you know he was he was in it. It was wonderful. It was brilliant. <laughs> and if you've ever seen the Predator, where where you know the predator sort of comes out the water with his hair sort of fizzing, <laughs> you know, rave rave comes up fully in character wow. still with his hair and it's this sort of fizzing energy like the predator. It was incredible. What um, image? I learned I learned a lot from him because he's he's just the most uh, sort of astonishing in terms of his choices and how he commits. He was uh, he was he was just awesome to work with. Do you? I've got to ask this now. Do you and um... Do you and him play Clash of Clans together? <laughs> Do me and Rafe? Yeah, Clash of Clans, Clash of Clans after I, I the think, podcast. I, yeah. I, I don't. I, I think it's probably. Uh, I think Rafe is far more intelligent, articulate, and grown up than I am uh, to be playing such a childish game. I think even on the App Store it says, you know, it's suitable suitable for eight to thirteen year olds. And there I am at the age of forty three playing it. Mind you, some of the some of the people in my clan work for Gold, Goldman Sachs. So, uh, so you know, I think there is there there is a degree of escapism while they Fantastic. while they go and you know, excuse themselves for, for five minutes on well, the loo and, and and play their clash of clans. Escapism <laughs> comes in in many forms, doesn't it? Does, it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I love your honesty, and I, I think you've been absolutely brilliant on the uh, on the show tonight. So thank you, thank you very much for for joining us. Is there anything that you gents in here or yourself, William, would like to uh, bring up or mention before we? No, I just think I just want to say I think it's brilliant that 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 because I wasn't familiar with this podcast until quite recently, and I just think it's amazing that you are uh, that you're doing this, especially from from uh, from you know a guy's perspective, because you know parenting is often is often put you know rightly together you know uh, in terms of how we deal with this sort of thing. Whereas mm. I think uh, as individuals, we men and women approach grief very very differently, especially when it's when it's something as tragic as this. So I think it's brilliant what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I'd, I'd just like to say thank you for coming on, William, because let's just put it like this. Dash will be extremely proud of his dad. Um, I think you've um, just so, just the way you told your story, I yeah. thought was brilliant. Yeah, you're brilliant. So relatable. Um, you could be an actor. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever thought about taking up acting? Yeah, no, like, just <laughs> the delivery, wasn't it? Yeah, just the, yeah, yeah. Just the conviction, but obviously we're behind such a, a tragic story. But yeah, I think you just, uh, I think it's, uh, you've been fascinating to listen to. Um, so thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. And thank you for everyone for listening. So um, I appreciate it. If you would like to uh, drop us or William a message that we can get it over to him after, if you're listening back to this on the non-live version, please reach out to us, stillparentspodcast.co.uk on our socials at Still Parents Podcast. Uh, we would love to hear from you on that. Also, if at any point you would like to come on, we are looking for guests, I think for the new year, aren't we? We're into oh, new year. Yeah. Right? 
So yeah, please uh, get in touch again, and you can you can get in touch through through those ways. And Ryan Palmer, thank you very much as well for uh, for joining us tonight. And we'll we'll get you on for your your full episode very soon. But in the description, I'll put the link for his uh, when Ryan joined us recently for Baby Loss Awareness Week when we did a, a mini series like ten minute episodes every every day. Yep. Right, you uh, you clanning it tonight, William? Uh, probably, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, one and all, um, take care of yourselves. This has been the Still Parents Podcast, and we will be back very, very soon. Adios. Thank you. Cheers, Thank you.